Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, I have to confess, that is really one of my favorite carols. I don't, I'm, I'm trying to decide earlier if it is my absolute favorite or just one of my top three, but it's, it's definitely up there. And, and I don't know about you, but I know when I, just singing it through the years and, and, and all, um, I, I, I never caught the punctuation. And we, we didn't have it up here, but you know, it's heart with an a, a exclamation point. The herald angels sing. And it was just a kind of hark the herald, like hark, hark was a herald or something like that. Hark was his name. Or I, I saw some joke about a child talking about herald, H-A-R-O-L-D, like that was the name. So anyway, it, it's just sometimes we sing things and they've been so much a part of our lives for so long that maybe sometimes we don't even know what we're really singing. And hopefully this morning, as Betsy shared with us and as we go through, maybe a little clearer picture. We're using... Uh, it this morning to focus on angels in our series we're called carols and and the messages that come through them the the messages the good news of Jesus Christ and uh, as you heard and saying earlier angels also figure prominently in angels we have heard on high as well as angels from the realms of glory but but the question is what do we really know about angels. I mean, there's lots of angels out there. You've got them maybe on your trees. People talk about them. There are popular psychology books out there about them. And I want to show you some photos of angels and see if you can find kind of a common thread that, that runs through them. So just kind of watch through here. You'll see these kind of, some of these look very typical to you, how you might envision an angel, the pictures you've had, the thoughts you've had about angels. You know, here we go with some of the, the cute little cherub style angels that that so many people love to look at yeah i heard a couple of alls on that one that was one of my favorite books growing up the littlest angel dogs tv show well oh there's some more those are blue angels actually and uh daffy duck for those of you, now some of you may not know Daffy Duck, and, and I'm really disturbed, but Daffy Duck was, came before Teletubbies, before Barney, um, before all that other stuff, and, and Daffy and Bugs were just, well, they were part of my childhood, so that was from one of the cartoons there. Um, so you saw some pictures there, and, and, and toward the end it became pretty obvious that, that they're not angel, angels like we usually think, but the reality is that none of the slides I showed you actually represent the biblical picture or understanding of angels. Not really. Now, I'm not saying that some of those slides are absolutely wrong, but I am telling you that every one of those slides in some way or another goes beyond what the Bible tells us, our authority, our guide for God's word of, 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 about angels. And yet we know that angels are found all throughout the Bible, and they are particularly important in the Christmas story. But there's a lot that we really don't know. When we think we know, we, we've, popular culture has told us and, and, and all that, but what do we really know about angels? And that's what we want to look at this morning. What do we really know? What does the Bible tell us is the truth about angels? Angels are mentioned in 34 of the 66 books of the Bible, and they're more 
They're mentioned more often in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. In the Christmas story, the angel Gabriel announces to a priest named Zechariah that his aged wife would give birth to a son who will be known as John the Baptist, who himself would be proclaiming Jesus' coming. Gabriel then makes an announcement to Mary that she will become pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit and give birth to the Son of God. Then an angel of the Lord appears in a dream to Joseph, who is betrothed to Mary, and tells him to name this son Jesus, for he will be Emmanuel, God with us, in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy from some 700 years earlier. And so an angel of the Lord then on that first Christmas comes to the shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem. And you've maybe seen the scripture up there, but in Luke chapter 2, it says an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God on the, in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory on the highest. We just sang that. We just sang the songs of the angels. They shared a message of good news to the shepherds. And that message is still a message of good news to you and me today. Now, interestingly, we get our word angel, A-N-G-E-L, not A-N-G-L-E, as sometimes we accidentally spell it. I mean, our spelling checkers never catch it that way. So watch out, A-N-G-E-L, from the, a New Testament word, angelos, or in some cases, angelos. Uh, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language, the word is malek. Uh, both terms, interestingly, are, can refer to, to humans or angelic beings and basically mean messenger. And, and, and yet virtually, not every time, but virtually every time that the, those words are used in the Old Testament or the New Testament, it clearly indicates supernatural beings as we call them today, angels. Now there are other terms that are also used for angels such as sons of God, mighty ones, holy ones, and heavenly host. And the Bible tells us that angels are supernatural spirits. They are spirits. They're not flesh and blood. It's sometimes easy for us to think of them that way because our depictions are of such, but they are spirits. The Bible says in Hebrews, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation, sent to serve us. Angels were created by God, and based on a, a passage we read in Job chapter 38, it appears that their creation occurred before, before creation, though exactly when is not spelled out in the Bible. In other words, angels are another type of created being alongside human beings. There are human beings and there are angels. And so, Though it's been a common myth, and it was one that I subscribed to well up into my adult years, and we've seen it in things like the book The Littlest Angel, or in movies like Heaven Can Wait, or It's a Wonderful Life, 
Human beings do not become angels when we die. Now, now hear that. Because I remember, I remember growing up as a kid, I had this, this impression one time or this, uh, you know, this kind of thinking my dad was still with me at the time and, and I had this picture that he would come back to me someday wearing, wearing uh, angel wings and a halo. And, and, you know, it's just one of those kid things that kind of stuck in my mind. And yet the truth of the matter is you and I do not become angels. That's not what we have been created as. We are human beings. And so it, maybe that's a surprise to you. Maybe not. I had somebody come up to, after the first service said, I, you know, said, I'd never heard that before. Um, we have this image of wings and a halo for an angel, and that a lot of times that's what happens to us. And yet the, the idea is contrary, at least to what the Bible teaches us and, and repeatedly shows us. As spirits... Angels can pass back and forth through the, the spiritual, supernatural realm and our natural realm, unimpeded by anything. They're not stopped by physicality as you and I are. In other words, if we, if we try to walk toward a wall, we're going to run into it. And angels aren't bound by the same set of laws. Angels' nature, natural state, according to Colossians, is that they are invisible to us. And yet it's obvious, obvious that they can become visible based on a lot of Bible stories where they're clearly seen by people. But they also, in the Bible, there are times when they share their messages, not in front of people, but through dreams or through visions. The Bible indicates that angels are supernatural in strength, but they are not omnipotent. What does omnipotent mean? It means all-powerful. They are very powerful, but they are not all-powerful. They can move extremely fast, but they are not omnipresent. They're not present in all places at the same time. An angel can only be in one place at a time. Nor are they omniscient or all-knowing. Though their knowledge is great, the Bible tells us, it's limited. Angels are immortal. That means they don't die. They live forever. Angels have emotions. We see them expressing joy in, in Job about God's creation and the wonder of it. And we also see in, in Luke where it says that when a person comes to faith in Christ, there is joy in heaven and there is celebration. It's one of the reasons that when we do have baptisms here at this church, we encourage everybody there to celebrate, to yell, to shout. Why? Because we want you to join in with the angelic chorus. We want you to join in in what the angels we know, according to the scriptures, are themselves doing. So that that sound is heard not only in heaven, but also on earth. Angels appear to have their own language, according to 1 Corinthians 13. But they certainly seem to be able to communicate in any language that human beings speak. Now, the sex of angels is never actually indicated directly. Um, it, it's very interesting. Jesus tells us that they do not marry. And yet here's the thing. All words and all pronouns, the Old Testament, New Testament, there's one, perhaps one exception. But other than that, they are all used in the masculine. Every single one of them. Now, does that mean, what does that mean? Does it mean that they are male versus female? We don't actually know that. 
We don't know if, if that is in the, the case with angels. But what we do know is in both the Hebrew language and in the Greek language, and, in, and for those of you who know Spanish or, or, or French or some other language, you know that many languages, the word itself can be male or female, or it can have a male or female ending on it. And what we know is we look through Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, Hebrew, Greek, is that in every, almost every case, every case where we're absolutely certain it's an angel, it is in the masculine. And yet, what did I show you? I, the, some of the first pictures I showed you were pictures of beautiful women as angels. That's often the connotation that we first, we jump to, is we think that they, they, are, they are feminine like that. But at least according to the pictures or the references we see in the Bible, we cannot say that that's supported. Angels never appear in subhuman form, like a dog. Sorry, doesn't mean they're not appreciated. I hear this. All right, I hear that. <laughs> doesn't mean they're not loved and appreciated and, and cared for by God. But all the appearances where there is uh, uh, clearly a sex is, is as male, never as women or children. And um, we'll come back to the children part in, in just a, a couple of minutes. And, and yet, they can fool people about their actual nature. They can appear completely human. In Hebrews, it says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. That in biblical times, we, we see that uh, with Abram entertaining three guests who in, at first were not clearly angels that we later learned. And yet you continue that on today and even up into the 21st century today, you hear stories of people who say, and some of you, I'm sure, have stories where you've, you had something happen and you said, I believe or I'm confident that, that there was an angel at work in my life. And yet we don't always know. Just uh, this morning, someone was sharing with me a story that I'd heard a while back uh, of an accident out in a rural area, and there was a woman in the car, and, and the car was really crunched up badly, and it didn't, they were trying to get her out, and the first responders on the scene had a jaws of life, but it wasn't big enough or strong enough, so they were sending for another. And in the midst of that, what, there was news crew there, and there were, there were people gathered around, and there were emergency responders. Uh, a, a gentleman walks up, and, and the story I heard is they was wearing a collar or a priestly collar or something like that, walks up and asks if, if he may pray for the person while they are waiting. And the person says, yes, go ahead. The person goes and prays. And then afterwards, he announced to them that they will be able to get her out shortly after the larger jaws of life arrived. They do. And yet, as they look around and try to find that person, they couldn't find them. As they went back and they reviewed video footage and photography, they could not find them. There were no pictures. There was nothing there. And yet, a number of people said, they saw the person, and the person came and gave hope and encouragement, and then, now nobody saw them physically disappear or physically appear, but they were there, and they weren't. Is that an angel? Was that somebody that just happened to be? I, I don't know the answer to that, but those stories are around, and some of you, I'm sure, have those kind of stories. So it's interesting to recognize that we don't always know when, when Angels are in our midst when we are interacting with angels, when they are helping or providing a message right in the very midst of, of times when we need it. Now, there are creatures called cherubim. Remember, I, I said 
that, that angels don't appear as children. Yet some of the pictures I showed were those little cherubs, you know, with the rosy cheeks, and we love to look at those. But, but here's the thing. I, had this, I pulled this picture. This is just one artist's, one artist's rendition, okay? We don't have photographs. We don't have anything. But this is one artist's rendition of a description given in a couple of places of a cherubim. Uh, there are cherubim and seraphim mentioned in the Bible. Uh, most often, they seem to be angels. It's not 100% clear, but it appears to be. And they actually have four heads, and they have at least two sets of wings, sometimes three. Notice in this depiction, there are the hooves. And the impression that you get when you see those pictures and when you read them in, in the Bible is that these are not cute little sweet cherubs. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah has a vision of the throne room of God and there are cherubs there guarding the place, they are holy, um, uh, impressive, awe-filling entities that overwhelm him, that, that in the presence of God and these creatures, he feels the sense of his own sinfulness. And so we, we have to realize that for some reason, and I, I don't know the whole story, I did a little looking, but I didn't actually find the whole story. Somewhere along the line, cherubim kind of morphed into cherubs. The picture in the Bible is never the cherubs that you and I know. Now, I'm not saying can't enjoy them, can't be sweet and cute, but I am telling you that that's not the picture that we get in the Bible. Angels always in the Bible appear clothed, and, and when they are recognized as angels, they're not always, at least initially, it is always an awe-inspiring experience. It is, it is an ethereal, amazing experience that the writers in each case when it occurs try to capture words to it. Their clothing tends to be gleaming white robes of some kind, sometimes with gold sashes or gold belts. The, the angels are referenced as flying in two or three places in the Bible, but in those settings, wings are never mentioned. In fact, the only angels that are mentioned specifically having wings are the cherubim and the seraphim. The other angels, as they are mentioned, there is no mention of a halo at all, nor is there a mention of wings. Now, I'm not saying there aren't there. I'm simply saying that when you take Scripture and you read it through, here's what it is telling us, or here's what it is showing us. And certainly there are settings where angels appeared to human beings in which there was no outward manifestation because at first they didn't recognize who they were. There's not a set number of angels uh, created, given in the Bible. The Bible refers to them, speaks of them as multitudes or myriads of myriads or ten thousands of ten thousands or, or a host of angels beyond our ability to count. There are only two, by, two angels that are actually named in the Bible. Only two, Gabriel and Michael. And I, I want to point to you, as you look at that, notice the last two letters of each word, E-L, E-L, in Hebrew, El is the word for God. And I suspect, I didn't look it up, but I suspect a, a Hebrew pronunciation would be Gabriel, Gabriel, and Michael, because that is the word, a word for God. Gabriel appears to Daniel in the Old Testament, giving him visions of the end times. He also appears to Zechariah and Mary in the beginning of the New Testament, 
uh, to, to announce the coming of John the Baptist and of Jesus himself. He appears to be the chief messenger angel. Michael is also mentioned in Daniel as well as in the New Testament in Jude and the last book of the Bible, Revelation, where he leads the fight as the commander of God's armies of angels, the heavenly host against uh, in the case of the Old Testament, Israel's enemies, and in the case of the New Testament revelation against Christ's uh, enemies, supernatural enemies of Satan and his minions. Gabriel and Michael are also described as archangels, and, and in other sources beyond the Bible, there are allusions to additional archangels in one setting four, another setting seven, um, as angels of high rank. But those in, in the Bible itself, there are only two mentioned, Gabriel and Michael. The Bible refers to both good angels with titles like holy angels or the angels of God or angels in heaven or his powerful angels, but also bad angels. I know that kind of sounds like good boy, bad, but, but just kind of using a generic term. But bad angels who consist of the devil, Satan, and his angels, who are typically referred to as demons. It's not completely clear, but it appears that Satan, originally created by God as a beautiful angel, perhaps one of the archangels, sought to take God's place, wanted to usurp God's place. And when he failed, the holy angels drove him out, and a third of all the angels who were following him, went with him out of heaven down to earth. In Revelation it says, Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Now when I read that, sometimes I kind of I, I think to myself, Okay, thanks, guys. Did you have to throw them down here? Could you have thrown them to the moon? Or Venus? Or Jupiter, you know? Why did they have to come here? Well, we don't know. And, and, and won't, won't, won't go there. But um, it, 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 it is interesting that, that Satan... Is that, and, and this is very important because, you know, we don't, we don't dismiss the power of evil and the reality of Satan and that there are demonic forces in our world today. But let me remind you of, the, of one of the truths or the things I've already told you about angels. First, angels are not omnipotent. They are powerful, more powerful than us, but they are not all powerful. Angels are not omnipresent. They're not in all places at the same time. They can be in one place at one time. And finally, angels are not omniscient. They are not all-knowing. They don't know everything. They know much. They may perhaps know more than we do, but they don't know everything. And so when you start thinking about Satan, you start thinking about these demons, you have to realize that they are very powerful, they are very dangerous, and yet they are not all-powerful. Only God is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. And so no matter how hard Satan tries, he will always come up short. He cannot defeat God. And we choose, who are followers of Jesus Christ, 
to trust him and to stand in his truth and in his love and to be God's people. And yes, he can oppress, he can work against us and situations that we're in, but ultimately he cannot win. And the, the good news of Revelation shows further in the chapter that Michael leads the heavenly army and eventually Satan and his dominion of, of demons are thrown into the abyss. So there, there, there's, some, there's some good news there that we need to understand as we think about angels and then also demons. Um, it appears that angels do have their own will, and yet there seem to be indications that after the fall, the sides of good angels and of bad angels was set. In general, the Bible shows that angels execute the will of God in heaven and on earth. They're here to do his will, his will above all, whenever, whatever he decrees. And the Bible shows us then, in addition, some particular responsibilities that, that angels have. And we're going to run through that. If you've got your notes, we've got them in there that you can look at them. First, it is to worship God. Angels worship God. Revelation 5. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voices of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Those are terms beyond what we can count. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. A picture, a, a, a picture of Jesus to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy. And if you think about the word worship and worthy, you'll see that they have the same root word. To a, worship is nothing but to, to give worth to another. And that's what the angels do. They give worth. They, they affirm the worth of God. Second, angels are messengers of God, as the name applies. Angelos, Malik, messengers. And, and the carol, hark the herald, as Betsy explained to us. Herald is to proclaim something, to put it out there. We, we probably should have gotten you one of those pictures of the, one of those long herald trumpets, you know? Not just one of these kind of trumpets, but, but one of those that are way out there that have that, that banner hanging on it. That's sort of the picture. In Matthew 1, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There was a message there for Joseph. Angels also announced the birth of Isaac to Abraham and Sarah, and the birth of Samson to his parents. And yet, angels also carried messages of warning, such as when Abraham and Lot were forewarned by angels of the coming destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, or Joseph, uh, the, in the Christmas story, who was warned by an angel to take the baby Jesus and travel to Egypt after his birth because King Herod wanted to kill the Son of God. Third, angels guide and instruct it says in Exodus 14, then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. We see that the angel of God was guiding. In fact, if you go back and you look in that, you'll see that there was, he was being guided during the day by a pillar of fire and at night by a pillar of, of oh, let me back that up, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. As, as that was an angel of God who was guiding them. 
An angel gave Samson's mother instructions for her personal care during her pregnancy and the rearing of her son Samson. An angel in the New Testament in the book of Acts appears to the Roman centurion Cornelius at Caesarea and told him to send men to Joppa and to bring Simon Peter back to him because Simon Peter at that point was learning and discovering that many of the ceremonial food laws were disappearing and more importantly that God's message of grace and love was extended to Gentiles and not just Jews. It was a momentous occasion in the life and an angel was the, the messenger. The Apostle Paul indicates he repeatedly received divine instruction, and at least sometimes it was passed on to him by angels. And one occasion we see that is in Acts 27 when he told the ship, the crew of a ship that they were on in the midst of a storm, they were lost at sea, he said to them, an angel had come to them and assured them that they would, they would be safe. The ship would be destroyed, but every person on the boat would be safe. Fourth, angels guard and defend. And, and here we get this picture or this idea of a, of a guardian angel. And maybe this describes some of our guardian angels. There is no indication in the Bible that there is one guardian angel for each person. Nothing that says there's not, but it's just not said. There are allusions to angels who take that role, but not specifically a one-to-one ratio. In Psalm 34, it says, For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Psalm 91, If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. You put your faith in Christ, you trust him, you allow him, then, then it doesn't mean bad things doesn't happen, but it means no evil is going to have the final say in your life or mine. He says, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Angels guarded Israel during its exodus from Egypt. Angels, uh, the Bible tells us, will defeat Satan and his angels at the coming of Christ for his second coming. And Jesus was particularly clear about angels watching over children. Jesus said in Matthew 18, beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, excuse me, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. Always in the presence of my heavenly Father. God through his angels has a particular desire to guard his children. Five, angels execute God's judgment as they did against the Egyptians at the Red Sea, as the, the Hebrews make it through the piled, piles of water on either side, that once they do, the water falls back in on the Egyptians. In 2 Kings 19, it says, that night the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. And we've seen that with Christ, the angels will execute God's judgment against Satan and his angels and throw them into the fiery pit. Finally, angels minister in times of need. This was certainly the case with Christ as, as when he completed his 40 days of fasting early in his ministry, and it said that Satan came and the devil came and tempted him. In Matthew 4, 11, it says, then the, when, then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. And we have a... a classic, uh, uh, great master's painting, 
that depicts that particular setting. An angel ministered to the prophet Elijah. An angel delivered Peter in the book of Acts from, from chains and prison. And there are numerous other stories throughout the Bible, down through history, up to and we would say, including today, where people have testified that they believe they were, they were ministered to or even saved by an angel. Remember the scripture I read earlier from Hebrews 1. It says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Sent to serve followers of Jesus Christ. And that in itself ought to be enough to to encourage each one of us, to give us hope in any circumstance because the good news is that God is with us and it may seem unlikely, it may seem there's no way through the situation, it may seem that, that there aren't easy answers and yet the promise is that, that through Jesus he is our Emmanuel, through his spirit living in us he is with us and he will see us through whatever comes. His angels minister to us and yet it's important to recognize that the ministry of angels, at least as we see in the Bible, is typically external. That is, it is to us physically, while the Holy Spirit ministers to us internally, spiritually, for those of us who are followers of Christ, who have welcomed Christ into our lives and have his spirit living within us. Now, there are a few things that we see pictures of throughout the Bible that, that good angels also never do. And, and we need to know these things. First, angels never draw attention to themselves, but always point back to God and Christ. An angel never comes along and does something and says, look at me. Don't you want to hear about me? Don't you want to know all about me? They're, they're, that, this may be why that there are very few descriptions of angels, and what we do have is very limited. Because angels are never the point. They're never the point. They are the messengers. Ultimately, Jesus is the point. He is our good news. And angels always point beyond themselves to God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. As one writer said, every reference to angels is incidental to some other topic. Angels are never the point. And sometimes if we make angels the focus of our lives or we say, I, I'm going to pray to angels or whatever, we're missing the whole point. We're going exactly against what angels themselves understand their mission to be is never to be the focal point, but always to point beyond themselves to, to God. Second, angels never try to change or contradict Scripture. And this is really important. The Apostle Paul warned in one of his writings that if, if anyone else said something that contradicted some of his writings or if even, he said, an angel should tell you something that is in contradiction to Scripture, that you are to dismiss it. And that, that, that carries forward into today, that there are people who talk about angels and they're, they're angel friends and they share with them things. And, and yet the point we see in Scripture is that that's not how they operate. It points, one of the issues, for instance, for the religion of, of Mormon is that it claims that the Book of Mormon was, was dictated to a, a man by an angel. And that some of the things that are in the Book of Mormon contradict what Scripture says. Therefore, we go back to what Paul says, and, and angels, even angels, cannot contradict God's holy scripture. Next, angels refuse to be worshipped. 
there are two or three cases in the Bible, but particularly in Revelation, a couple of settings where John wants to, he's in awe, he's overwhelmed, he's amazed by this angel and what's going on, and he wants to kneel down and worship him, and the angel gets almost apoplectic. No, don't do that. Get up. Don't worship me. It is never, they say, about me. It is to worship God. And yet it's interesting that Satan, who was an angel, sought to be like God, and he sought his first temptation of Eve was to eat that fruit in order to be like God. And he encourages us to put ourselves at the center of attention. He encourages us to become objects of worship. He encourages us to become something more than what God intended. Next, and this I found very interesting, and, and I read this and I hadn't thought about it, and, and I, but I'm sharing it with you because I think it, it matters. No one in the Bible ever initiates a conversation with angels. Now think about that. People always in the Bible respond to angels. Now there are people today who will tell you, well, you, need, you should pray to your angel, you should call out to your angel, or whatever. That's not the picture we see in the Bible. The picture is that an angel comes into a person's life generally unexpected, and at that point, then they start to interact with the angel. But they don't, in, in the beginning, call out to an angel. They don't begin there. And, and there are people who say, well, you should pray to your angel, or you should talk to your angel, or, or whatever. And all I'm telling you is, that is not the picture that the Bible gives us about how we are to interact with angels. And finally, angels do not violate, good angels, I should say, do not violate the free will of human beings. If an angel were to try to get us to do something against our will, you would have to recognize that that's not one of God's good angels. And of course, there's a lot more that can be said about angels. I mean, there are books out there. There are books in pop culture about angels that I would warn you against because many of them do not have a basis in God's word. But there are books in Christian bookstores and Christian settings or there are websites where you can go and learn more. Someone came up to me after the service, the last service and said, you opened up a whole new world for me and I want to go out and I want to find some of these books and I want to read them. And you may want to do that. And that's great. But again, you want to look at if it doesn't adhere to what Scripture says, it's stepping beyond what we have the right to proclaim. And therefore, we trust that God is in control, and it's God's way. And it's interesting that, that what we most experience, especially in this Christmas season, is these angels um, bring good news. And yet the curious thing is that the words defined as angels, you may remember I said it right at the beginning, the, the uh, angelos or the malach are not specifically, in the Hebrew and the Greek languages, are not specifically supernatural. And in fact, there are two or three occasions, both Old Testament and New, where an angelos or a malach is a, clearly a human being, which I think says to us that the angels have a role of messenger. But we too have that role. We too can share that good news. That as the angels, the herald angels sang, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. In other words, the gap between man and, and, and God has been reconciled through Jesus Christ. We can proclaim that as well. 
joyful, all ye nations rise. Rise up, be full of joy. Join the triumph of the skies with the angelic host, with, Charles Wesley wrote, with the angelic hosts, proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. That is an invitation for you and me. That the Christmas story is not to be told just by the angels. They told it first, and they told it in awe-inspiring ways. But biblically, you and I can be angelos. Biblically, you and I can spread the good news so that others hear good news. That there is a Savior. There is a God that loves them. That he is on their side, and nothing and no one can ever stop him. He will pursue them to the end of their days. And the angels proclaim that truth over and over again. In just a moment, our prayer team will be off to the sides if you're interested in talking with somebody this morning. In addition, right after the service, we're going to serve communion. Um, And if you would like to receive communion, uh, if you have children, we ask you to go pick them up first. And we ask you to come and sit in the bottom section versus in the risers for this. And in just a few minutes, uh, we'll have a countdown and we'll begin that service right here uh, in your chairs. And you'll be directed at the appropriate time to come forward for this short service of communion. Would you join me? Prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for angels that you've given to us to minister to us, but especially to give us this message and to enable us to share that message as well. We pray that we would join in with the angelic voices to sing your praise, to glory to the newborn king, to be joyful, to join the triumph of the skies, to proclaim with the heavenly host that Christ is born in Bethlehem. Glory to our newborn king. Help us to do that, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Don't forget, you can also sign up to serve for Christmas Eve and all that outside. God bless you, and see you next time. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.